0: And it's been a long day And when you're tired You can call on me And if you're doubting My love then I'll prove it all to you again You're gonna know that You're gonna know that My love will never die I'm gonna be there I'm gonna be there
1: Hey, this is John Fuller, and I'm wondering, what's been the busiest season of your marriage? I'm here along with our Focus on the Family colleagues, Greg and Aaron Smalley, and we're going to be talking about how to stay connected with your spouse even when your calendar and life are full. So, Greg and Aaron, let me ask, if you have um, beyond the present moment, what's another busy season in your lives?
2: Yeah, I, I just remember that season right after... I had finished my graduate schooling, so I had my doctorate. Erin then was starting graduate school to get her counseling degree. We had very young kids. I was in the midst of trying to start uh, what now is Hope Restored. It's our marriage intensive program, but I was starting this brand new ministry, and all of a sudden, Erin one day just shows up in tears. I'm, you know, I'm not sure what's going on, and she said, "We need to talk." And, you know, it's just that, oh, okay, what's going on? Why? <laughs> I don't want to talk if I'm yeah. going to be in trouble. <laughs> that sounds very <laughs> ominous to <Yeah>. her. <laughs> and so she just proceeded just to, through tears, to say that, that you know, I love you. Um, you know, I'm I'm not going anywhere. I'm committed to you. But... You know for what it's worth, I just feel like we're just nothing more than married roommates mm-hmm. and so, for us, we had that that moment and of course, you know, I'm arguing and defending myself, and well, oh, you're just as busy as i am and and yet, looking back, that really for us. Began the journey, the slow kind of rebuild to figure out. Okay, if certain things are reality, you know, I got to work. Aaron's in graduate school. We do have kids. We can't just kick them out of the house. Mm-hmm. But, but it really marked for us kind of this rebuilding of our connection and figuring out. Okay, you know what? What is this going to look like? And sadly, when she sat down and told me all this, you know, my very first thought was. Okay, great. This is perfect timing because I just had released my first marriage book called... The marriage you've always dreamed of. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I have a wife. Which meant
1: you had radio interviews left <laughs> and right yeah. and promotional efforts. Well, she's efforts telling and... me that, that she doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Clearly,
3: I she's didn't think it marriage. was the she's marriage always we'd dreamed always dreamed of. Yeah. <laughs> wow.
1: Well, I think there's a lot of disappointment that comes along the way. And busyness does steal the intimacy. It steals the connection. And so you have to be more and more uh, intentional. Well, Greg, that's a word you use a lot, I know. We've got to be intentional in our relationship. Uh, Jim Daly and I sat down with Mark and Susan Merrill and talked about this kind of thing. Um, The conversation is based on some books that Mark and Susan wrote called Lists to Love By for Busy Husbands and Lists to Love By for Busy Wives and we've bundled those two books together. You'll find the link for that resource in the show notes. Here now are the Merrills with some great examples of things they've learned during busy seasons. I've got to ask, so Even if you have this kind of a conversation, you know, just three things and you you make that mental reset, how long does it take before that becomes kind of a natural part of the rhythms of your marriage? Because there are expectations that there, I said my three things and now we're all good, right? (laughs) <laughs> right.
4: So successful marriages do consistently what average marriages do occasionally. And that's the trick. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. why the structure of these books are simple short chapters. So you can even peruse the table of contents and go, okay, these are the five topics that are really tough for us. So we're just going to work on those till they become a habit. And that's the point. We're so crazy busy today. We're not taking the time to develop those habits that love each other well. Mm.
5: Let's get into some of those lists, some of your favorites. Uh, this is from your heart, and you're speaking to those married couples, which you do at Family First so often. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's start with your favorites, Mark. Where, where do you find yourself in, in this great list of lists?
0: Well, I have several favorites, and uh, but one of them is uh, three keys to lo- unlock the door to intimacy in marriage, which is... I think is such an important one and that's what people are really they're they're so lonely today and you and I have talked about that Jim where people are lonely and they're lost and they're longing for something more and something better in their relationship but they don't know how to find it and where to find it and we know one thing that if they don't have that foundation of trust trusting the Lord but also trusting one another in that relationship then they are not going to be traveling down a, a very smooth road in the future. There's going to be a lot of bumps and a lot of potholes, so that trust issue is the key to intimacy.
5: Yeah, and, and when you talk about that loneliness, there's been lots of articles appearing in various publications around the country uh, right now about the loneliness in marriage. Why do you think that's occurring? What's what's happening in marriages today generally? that create that loneliness.
0: I think part of that, and Susie, you might chime in on this as well, but in the list of loved by books, we talk, it's for busy husbands and there's one also for busy wives. And I think busyness leads to neglect. And there mm-hmm. have I can tell you that each and every one of us this week have spoken to somebody who said, you said, hey, how you doing, John? And they said, oh, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm just crazy busy. Everyone, it, we almost wear it as a badge True. of honor, but it yeah. leads to neglecting our spouse and we become the two proverbial ships that pass in the night. And then... We start becoming lonely because we have no fellowship. Just like if we're not convening and spending time in prayer and in in God's word with the father, we experience that loneliness without him in the same in a marriage relationship, when we're not really spending time and just sitting down and talking one-on-one. So that's
5: one of the list. It's talk Mm -hmm. one-on-one together. Yes. Yes. And what would be another example of how to close that loneliness gap?
4: I think loving well starts with empathy and time. And so one of you know the different things we talk about in all the lists is, are you sharing time together? So if I am exhausted from working and I come home and Mark has had something deeply hurtful happen to him and he starts talking about it, but I've got my to-do list on, I'm not going to empathize him. I'm, I'm going to be like, okay, suck it up.
3: <laughs> right. You know,
4: and that's what creates that loneliness. Then, mm-hmm. because although I may, with my eyes and my face, pretend to listen, I'm really not entering deeply. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, does he know what I have to do?
0: And that's why it's so important, Jim and John, that that, that to when you're lonely in marriage, I believe because of that busyness is always there, um, you know, stealing uh, your time like a thief to really make sure that we're creating a, I call it a stop doing list. And that, how many things that we, all four of us are doing that are bad things? Hopefully none. None. Yeah, but but it's a stop doing list of good things that aren't God's best things. I always say only do what only God would have you do. Only do what only God would have you do. What are the most important things that he would have us do in our marriage relationship, in our life, with our kids, and then create a stop-doing list of other things that may be good, but I may not know. be the best that God what, has what for What did us.
5: that list look like? I get it, and I try to do that. What did the list look like for you when you started to take that inventory? Um, when I took the
0: inventory, I saw that I was serving on some different committees. I was serving on board some additional and boards, and I serve on one board today, and that's it, at Family First, and I took off all those other things that were wonderful things in good organizations and even things get this at church that may not be our highest and best used instead of doing 10 things at church maybe there's one thing that we should be focused in on mm, those are good
4: points mm-hmm. and i think for women you know don't feel like you have to do everything for your kids a even in the home say that again don't feel like you have to do everything we really do so much today for our children and then we also do so much that we feel everyone else wants us to do like your kids have to be in sports they have to learn to play musical instruments they have to do this they have no they don't because at the end of the day we have grown children now we know this
1: Some great advice from Mark and Susan Merrill, and and like them, you might have faced or are really right now going through a time when you're thinking, we just don't have time for each other like we used to. That is a reality for so many people. So let's go ahead and hear a clip from an interview that Focus President Jim Daly and I did with Greg and Aaron Smalley. Uh, That was a Focus broadcast about a simple
5: exercise for couples that I think you'll find helpful. What are some things, some ideas that we can change tonight and uh, tomorrow and Mm. as we move forward? What are just a couple things we can do that reunites us as a married couple?
3: I think it's so important to recognize, Jim, that there's an opportunity to build a stronger attachment between the two of us. We build this attachment with our kids, and we do it pretty naturally, but it's just recognizing that there's things specifically I can be doing to strengthen that connection and it's really am I available when Greg wants to sit and connect with me am I open to that does he know I'm available to him am I reaching for him am I turning towards him or am I leaning away and turning towards other things so it's important just to recognize we're building that strong connection between the two of us
5: one of the key things too and I I know many couples that have done this is especially in the busy child-rearing season is to carve even just 10 minutes together and tell your kids who are running around at five, six, seven, nine. hey, you know, this is mommy and daddy time. Mm-hmm. We're going to just spend a few minutes together because we want to love on each other and we want to make sure you see us loving on each other, but go away yeah. and don't <laughs> interrupt us. And, and actually, it's great for kids to see that because now we're a marriage-centered home, not a kid-centered home. It really, And, and that's we, important. But that is that something that you guys have done?
2: We do. We told our kids that eight o'clock was bedtime because it was now mom and dad time. And if you get up, if you're bothering us, then we will take time from you tomorrow and you'll sit in time out or whatever <laughs> to teach them so that they understood that. You know, uh, you, you mentioned this idea of 10 minutes. And believe it or not, that's actually the researchers found that if couples spend 10 minutes a day just talking not about schedules and to-do lists and administrating their marriage, but actually talk about the inner life. Like, what, how are you feeling? What's, what are you thinking about, dreaming about? What's creating anxiety? Things like that, the inner life. If, if I explore and pursue Aaron's inner life for 10 minutes a day, they found that that makes such a
5: huge, huge difference. Isn't that amazing?
2: Yeah. That 10 10 little minutes. time. I, I mean, know. Yeah. When
3: I heard that, I was like, I can do that. Yeah, right. I can find 10 minutes. And, you know, I asked Greg, you know, what was the high of your day? What was the low of your day? And just knowing that, just doing that, I'm hearing about what's going on inside of him, not about work or schedules or whatever, but more about what is inside of him in his heart.
1: Well, I so appreciate uh, the conversation we had in the studio earlier with Greg and Aaron, And here we are uh, back at the table uh, to talk about the importance of being intentional. And I've got to say, we've been, this past year, Dean and I have been trying to reconnect. And the simple exercise that you all recommend of 10 minutes a day just connecting, it doesn't happen every day, but it's been really important for us to find some times As many times a week as we can where we decompress and we just check in, there are are some nights when we just kind of hit the bed and we're gone. I mean, we're just zombied out. But there are plenty of times where 10 minutes, 15 minutes of just connecting makes all the difference in the world. Why is that? And how do you practice it? Because, I mean, you're way busier than me, it seems.
3: (laughs) It is so effective, John, to just encourage couples, and I know we do this as well, 10 minutes a day of just sharing deep inner life stuff. Because, you know, you think about it, most couples can't exist at that deep level all the time. I probably could, but Greg would... would <laughs> that is
2: the most exhausting yeah, thing Greg I could Yeah, Greg would think not of. like
3: that. Yeah. And so it's just a simple thing of, you know, when we go on a walk, when we're driving in the car, when we're laying in bed, when we're getting up in the morning to have coffee, that we're talking, we're being intentional about what we're talking about, that we're prioritizing this time together is very important in being intentional about the topic. And so I know for Greg and I, it's often three feeling words that we have felt in the last 24 hours three feelings, just sharing, because it gives you really a pulse on where the other person has been and where they're at Mm. right now. So it's simple way to do that. I share that with my clients um, and they love it because it's tangible and it's easy. Yeah,
2: You know, I often hear people going, I mean, that's great. 10 minutes. What do we talk about? And, you know, we encourage people that you you could do the high-low game. What was the high of your day, the best part? What was the low? What was the maybe hardest part of the day? And so you can do that. Um, I've asked Aaron, you know, what are some questions that you would love for me to ask you on a regular basis? That's great. Just the other day, Aaron and I were doing our first marriage event since, you know, COVID, since all the quarantine, the shutdown. And so we had an opportunity to kind of take the afternoon off. We're at this retreat center. And so we're, we're walking and I knew that it was going to be a perfect opportunity just to engage in some deeper, you know, inner life conversation to find out how she's feeling, to find out, you know, what's new, what's going on, just whatever, you know, not talk about kids or schedules, any of that. Mm -hmm. But I also know that I'm not that clever, to fill up 10 minutes per se with, with just original questions. So on the airplane, as we were just sitting on the the runway, I Googled, you know, conversation starters for couples. And and I clicked open one and I grabbed about 30, 35 of these questions and just quickly put them in the notes section of my phone. And as we walked, honestly, so we teach this, like I... I I know all this and yet I'm aware that I need help. So if you're feeling that, okay, I would have no idea what even to ask her, just do what I did. So I have those now in the notes section of my phone and I was able to pull that out as we were walking and just asked her and there were some really fun ones that just got us into some great conversation. That's
1: good. And um, what's perhaps even better for our friends who are listening is we've got a link to the notes section on your phone with those... No, not on your phone. But we've <laughs> got a link Text to the me questions. anytime you feel like it. <laughs> so hit the show notes, and you'll find that link and uh, some other great helps as well. So as men and women, I think it's fair to say that we have different needs and different wants than our spouse. And at times, Dina looks at me and just is amazed. How can we be so different? Right now, we're going to hear from a conversation Jim Daly and I had with Matt and Lisa Jacobson. Matt is a pastor and is the founder of FaithfulMan.com, and here he and Lisa are sharing from their own experience of learning to meet each other's needs.
5: Lisa, you alluded to this, but I want to grab a couple of examples in terms of those small things that make marriages so strong. I'm kind of envisioning, and I you know some of you might feel this is trite, but it's kind of like weaving cloth together, right? The, the strands of that, a single thread you could snap easily, mm-hmm. but when you weave something together, there's strength in that. And I hear you saying that, that it's not the big dramatic moment, the big breakthrough, although those are great. It's the little things. Give us examples of what those little things are concretely.
6: Well, for example, this is a small thing, but it has a powerful impact on your marriage. And this is just when you see your husband, I'm talking to the wives now, just lighting up and giving him that look you did when you were dating, just that, hey, here he comes. Wait a
5: second. I'm hearing through the microphone people, women are saying, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. I am you don't very know my serious. Husband. Oh, no.
6: <laughs> I am very serious. You
5: light yeah. up. Come on.
6: <laughs> yeah. I make a point of lighting up and I'll... T- If I can, I'll tell you a story of how this became obvious to me that this is what I need to do. So Matt and I were out on a kind of a lunch date, and I was a mother of many small children, and I was tired. I was just, you know, doing the, and then there's this, and then there's that kind of a thing, and you know, just venting with him. And and he was patiently listening to me. Well, while we were talking, we were out at the at a mall, a girlfriend of mine walked by and I said, Oh, I jumped up, I said, Oh, Susan, and I gave her a big hug, and I just, you know, lit up and and we just y- yaked for just a few minutes, and then I went back to my, my date, and uh, he <laughs> said, just really kind of quietly said, you know, I wish you would do that for me. Hmm. I said, do what? He said, oh, just the way you light up, just have that warm smile for your friends. I was so convicted right then and there. I thought, you know what? I have left off with doing that with you, and you should have that from well- you.
5: Let me ask you about that, because I I think when you live with somebody, you're married to somebody, you get very comfortable. Sometimes you see a different side of a person in that intimate relationship where you're together every day, eating dinner together every night, everything. And then, uh, yeah, the girlfriend comes by, and, oh, the light up and all that. Mm -hmm. Is it wrong to expect that kind of happiness uh, that you're showing a friend? Um, I I agree that it's right, but I guess I'm asking the question (laughs) – How do couples get there? How do you think about doing
7: that? Absolutely. Well, it is wrong uh, to fall into that pattern. This is what life does. It, It gets us so busy. The noise of our lives, the busyness of our lives gets us so distracted that we wind up just kind of getting in this rut, putting our head down and plowing this furrow of the next thing that needs to be done, forgetting that the most important relationship we'll ever have this side of heaven is the person that God said you are one with. And so one of the things that we like to remind people, and I certainly like to remind men about, is that just take a moment and ask yourself, when did your wife stop desiring to be desired? Never. See, that way you kissed her on your wedding day, or maybe even the months leading up and the months right after. When did she stop wanting to be kissed with that kind of passion, and that kind of desire? Never. See, this is something that we need to remember. And she is an important, valuable individual, that your job is to pursue and to cherish. Yeah. And so that responsibility didn't change just because a few years went by. So date your wife before, during, and after the wedding, after the children come, after they go off to college, pursue your wife. And that pursuit isn't just a pursuit for sex, that's a pursuit for her as a valuable mm-hmm. person that God has blessed you with. She's never stopped. Desired to be desired.
5: I hear both of you describing choices. You know, these are choices that we're making. We're choosing to be intentional about dating our wife. We're choosing to be intentional about lighting up when my husband comes into the room because it can get really kind of blase, kind of comfortable, and you don't show that enthusiasm. So, did you guys have to remind yourselves, okay, you know, Matt's coming home, I got to light up?
6: Sometimes there is something like that. It, so when I was a mother and I would, before I went out to see my kids who were, you know, all out there noisy and, and I would take a moment before I walked out my bedroom door and I would say, okay, Lisa, get your happy mom face on. Because I saw that it was so powerful to my kids. If I came out... Already grumpy if I came out, hey, good morning. It's super powerful. So I'm choosing to do that. I'm choosing to. And I thought, you know what? Why wouldn't I be able to do the same thing in my marriage? Now, sometimes it comes more naturally than others. But there are times where I go, he's home. And I have to remember, I'm excited that he's here. And I do love him. And we can work out that other thing a little bit later.
7: One of the things that is so critical about this and that we tend to forget about because we just get absorbed in our own life and our own day, Mm -hmm. we forget that we're literally teaching our children what a great marriage is, teaching yeah. them how to do marriage. We're discipling the hearts of our children by the way we interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and another
5: one that you mentioned is probably one of the more difficult ones for husbands, and that is to stop and listen. I mean, sometimes we're just problem solving. We kind of mm-hmm. know the the statements that are made. You know, oh, honey, I think you just need to do this, this, and this. And she's not wanting that. She's wanting you to hear her heart. I um, want to
7: tell, <laughs> tell the story, okay? I'm nervous. So... <laughs> You should so, be. So, yeah. And it's funny. This is one of those iconic moments in our relationship because I'm a problem solver, too. Yeah, it's and just af- innate. And after you've spoken for roughly 10.5 seconds, seconds, somewhere in there, oh, af- after you've spoken for a very short period of time, of course, I don't need to listen to the rest of what you've you're saying. It. I completely understand what the issue is and just go right in for the solve, you know? So <laughs> one, one time, this is way early in marriage, but one time. I was doing that, and she just screamed in my face. She really did. I don't recommend that, but... demure, loving woman. Yes. (laughs) And she said, I don't care if I'm right or wrong and understand this. I just want you to know and care how I feel. (laughs) Good for you. Just listen to me, right? And we look back on that and laugh, but it was a moment of revelation for me that listening is the fix. Not in every case and not in every couple, but by and large Mm -hmm. listening is the fix. Making her feel Mm -hmm. heard goes a long way to making her feel that her
5: problem is so true. And that's a heart cry. Speak from the woman's Mm -hmm. perspective why that's so critical. Because I'm serious. We're like hard dirt. We don't understand (laughs) this at all. Isn't the value in this quick discussion solving the problem? Can we just get there?
6: No, you can't. (laughs) (laughs) And even if Matt thinks that he already knows what I'm going to say or he understands the problem. He doesn't necessarily, believe it or not, understand. And it's important to me to actually say this out loud to get this out there and to get a fuller picture before you start in on the fix. And sometimes after I've said everything, then I'll go, okay, now what should I do? He goes, I thought I was supposed to just listen. I go, okay, yes, (laughs) you listened, now solve. (laughs) So it can be both, but we really do want to feel like you that you're hearing us, that you care about how we feel and what we're wrestling with or struggling with.
7: And, you know, and there's a heart issue there, too, relative to the men. Your wife wants to feel and believe that you wanted to listen to her, not that you had to listen to her. So it's not just a matter of checking the box, but your heart actually being engaged with listening because you want to. You right. care about her. Right. So, That's what the core should yeah. be.
1: I love the simplicity and effectiveness of what Matt and Lisa were sharing. And it goes back to the intentionality that uh, Greg and Aaron have been sharing about as well. Um, I had the opportunity to demonstrate this, to, to practice it a little bit. I had a morning where I had a little extra time, and instead of doing my thing, I had a second cup of coffee and sat down next to Dina, who had been spending some time in the Scripture and praying and she loves it when I do that. I give her my undivided attention, and I just ask her a few questions, and she processes and ponders and thinks. And I hear her, and she feels good about that. See,
7: that's a win-win. You get your coffee.
1: She gets to be heard. It is. That's now, perfect. She doesn't usually say, hey, would you come sit down here and talk? Because <laughs> she knows that I'm not necessarily going to be so inclined to do that. Um, Aaron, there's something that Greg has shared about before. You've mentioned it too, I think. Um, This idea of bids for connection. Hey, I have a need, and I want you to know about that and and to help me with that Mm -hmm. need. Or I have a desire for you to be part of my world. Talk about bids for connection.
3: Mm -hmm. There's a researcher here in the States, one of the most well-known researchers on marriage, Dr. John Gottman, and he came across with the research that talked about bids for connection. He watches couples in his marriage lab, and he can determine based on how these couples – Um, either receive or reject bids for connection, how they're going to do in their marriage. Hmm. And so really what this bid for connection is, it's a, it's any positive action that you do to get your spouse's attention, affirmation, affection, or support. What you're really looking for is connection. And, you know, I can remember our 23 year old daughter, Murphy when she was just a little thing, maybe three years old, she would constantly walk into a room and just hold her hands up and say, hold you. Uh, hold you, and so there was a bid for connection. We could have accepted that bid for connection and picked her up and held her, or we could have ignored it and just went on with whatever we were doing. We could have rejected it, turned away, and said, "You know whatever, why do you always do that? Hold you what is that and it was the, very
2: confusing. Are you trying to hold me yeah, or to hold you hold
3: what's happening? but the truth is, our spouses are offering those bids for mm-hmm. connection. Every single day, multiple times a day, and we get to choose how we see those. Now,
1: I, I really glommed on to your concept being described as positive uh, efforts, yes. because I'm thinking of uh, Dr. Tim Keller and his wife, Kathy. We talked to them one time, and uh, Tim was not hearing Kathy, and so she started breaking China. And and that was a bid oh. for connection,
2: but it was not a positive bid for connection. <laughs> it was effective, See, they're uh... they're all big, but yeah, let's (laughs) err on the side of the the positive ones. You know, a real quick example is, and i probably shared this before, you know this, John, about me, my dream vehicle. Like if I could buy any car, truck, whatever, I would get a Ford F-150 Raptor. So it's this amazing truck, super fast. I love them. They're all tricked out. They got fancy everything. Turbo, whatever. I, I love it. Aaron could care less. There is literally no part of her cares about a Ford Raptor. The other day, we're driving, and I see one approaching. It's very identifiable to me, at least. And I said, ooh, I said, Aaron, look, it's a Raptor. Now, she could have said several things. She could have said, what? whatever let go of it greg we're never going to get one of those exactly so she she could have turned against which is kind of like you know yeah like we're ever going to spend that much money so why do you why do you even point this out to me she could have ignored it totally just maybe kept texting away on her phone or she could do what she actually did which is to respond so the point is that that we have a choice when our spouse Makes a bid for connection, we have a choice. And what she said to me, if she went, ooh, ooh, I love it. Hey, I love that color. Like, what, what do you love about the Raptor? And so, you know, for thirty seconds, I went on and on about the Raptor. That that was all of seriously one minute, but it was a a connection. Hmm. Mm-hmm. The point is that we constantly are making these little bids for connection throughout the day, and when we respond to them, then those add up. And so for people who are so busy, they have a lot going on, begin to notice when your spouse makes that bid for connection. Just just I think this morning, like I was we were just getting ready and I and I walked by Erin, she went, I just really need a hug. That that is a bid for connection. Mm. Now that was a very obvious, overt yes. bid. Please yeah. give yes. me a hug. Yes. Because see, bids have deeper underlying meaning yeah. and desires to them for Aaron in that moment she needed that affection she needed the comfort of a warm hug from her husband But that's what we've really, right, Mm -hmm. Aaron? We've been just learning to notice those things and really try to respond. Well, it's looking
3: for the deeper meaning in them. I know for so often I'll come home with bargains that I have found. And I'm an extreme bargain shopper. I do not buy anything unless it's been marked down like three times. And so I'll come home and I'll hold each purchase up one by one. And I like Greg to guess how much I paid for it.
2: Now, like the Raptor for Aaron. Shopping for me, I could care less. There is no part of me that is remotely interested in bargain shopping. So that's why this bid for connection is so
1: important because she's saying, hey, this is important to me. Exactly. Why don't you come into my world and see what a great deal I found. But
3: but do you think I am really saying, you know, really give me the dollar amount on this? Really what I'm saying is, are you proud of me? Like I went out and found these great deals and I worked hard at it. Are you proud of me? So, there's a deeper meaning to it, or we could just leave it at surface level of, oh, great, nice bargain, whatever, and he could just move on. But he has begun to see the deeper meaning in it. So,
2: I guess the prices, like I'm on the prices price right, right. Go low. Game yeah, show. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the point is be intentional, be looking for those opportunities to connect with your spouse, be looking for those moments to laugh with your spouse, pay attention to their needs and try to meet those needs and see what happens in your relationship you'll probably become closer and as we draw near to valentine's day we want to make sure that you and your spouse have resources like we've talked about to really grow in your relationship over a million people have taken our free marriage assessment and i'll suggest you spend a few minutes doing that together to find out how your relationship is doing. And uh, Bids for Connection is covered more in depth in the book by Greg and Aaron called Reconnected. We're making that available as our thank you gift when you make a donation of any amount to support the Ministry of Focus and the Family today. We'll link over to the book and uh, your opportunity to donate, as well as other helps, like that list of questions we mentioned earlier. It's all in the show notes. Coming up next week on Loving Well, we'll discuss ways to rekindle romance in your marriage. And for now, on behalf of Greg and Aaron and the entire team here at Focus on the Family, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Loving Well podcast.